0: blog talk radio
1: there is a watchman on the wall bringing forth the written word of god to one and all are you getting ready will you stand around
0: And good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. It's good to be with you today. And as you can see, our brother Daniel is with us today all the way from the great nation of Australia, the island. Good morning, Daniel. How are you today, sir?
1: Very good. Even better than I'm talking to you.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I just had an epiphany, a revelation. Uh, Reminds me of the Teton Mountain story that I told, you know, a couple years ago when I got stuck up in the mountains and uh, my bag was about 10 feet away from me, and I couldn't get to it. Well, I, I have a full glass of water, but it's about 10 feet away from me, and I left it on the counter. So anyways, it's a tough thing, and we're doing
1: good. It's so good to have you with us today. It is. It's been a while. Look, I got caught up last week. I've started a new, a new job, so it kind of got me in a bit of a pickle last week, so I apologize. See that'll happen when you
0: get a new job. It'll put you in a pickle, and that's not a good thing because <laughs> your job is to tell all of us what's going on in this funny world that we're living in today, right?
1: I guess that's part of my <laughs> job description.
0: Yours, your, your the name, of, the title of your business is Funny Business <clears throat> with Daniel yeah. Second, because it's strange out there. <laughs> There's no doubt it's very, very strange in the atmosphere. Uh, you know, I just shared with you a little story about waking up this morning, think it was pitch black. I thought it was maybe three, four in the morning walking across the room in my spirit. I hear severity. I, I go to one room. I see the clock. It's eight something in the morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's pitch black outside, uh, flash flooding, tornado warnings. I'm like, wow, this is kind of severe. And, you know, it's it's just a singular event here. But soon, Daniel, all over the world, we're going to see severity hit this earth. And I, I really believe that's coming. Um, and what is your perspective on that?
1: I think we're in the middle of an interval in regard to birth pains. Yeah. We experienced a very significant birth pain last year in regard to the coronavirus and another birth pain in June in regard to the riots, the BLM riots or the George Floyd riots. But I I believe that we'll probably see, well, this is pure conjecture. But I I would imagine that we could possibly see another birth pain this year. It could be anything. It could be another riot. But I have a hunch it could have something to do with China, as much as I I really don't want to say that because I don't want to see that come To boil over, but I I think there is a pretty good probability that that could actually come to the surface. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, a lot of conversation about China um, making their move right now and – Hey, did you ever? Did you ever? Well, yeah, we already talked about that. Uh, the the number six six six. Somebody was talking to me last night about the mark of the beast, and you know we were hearing the great news from CNN, uh, the Communist News Network, was telling us all everywhere that we get to go to Europe. Americans get to go to Europe this summer, if we are vaccinated. Hallelujah!
1: Right. What's up with that? Yeah. With the, the vaccine passport. That's what they're saying. I think the vaccine passport is one of the most serious um, threats to individual liberty that um, that we have seen in a long time. I think it's one of the most expansive. Um, I think it's one of the most expansive efforts for the for the government to expand under the guise of it's for your safety. Jesus. So I think. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's one of the most um, egregious infringements upon, upon uh, individual liberty, and I would not go along with it at all. Uh, the vaccine passport, I think, is a is a Trojan horse. And um, look, I have no problem. I'm not anti. I'm not anti-vax. Let me just say that. I think one of the greatest inventions that has come to modern science has been the invention of the vaccine. I think when you look at polio and all the other Diseases that we have eradicated through vaccines, I think it's been great. But why do you want to come up with a vaccine for a virus in which there's already a very, very cheap cure in ivermectin and also in hydroxychloroquine? We've already got some brilliant cures, brilliant treatments. So I don't, you know. So I think the uh, the whole vaccine um, industry is, is it, they're, they're profiting and they're rolling in cash. And, uh, and so the farmer, the big farmer, is rubbing their hands, and of course the bureaucrats are rubbing their hands, and the globalists are rubbing their hands. It's all a, a wonderful opportunity in which they can centralize and expand state power.
0: Very very interesting. More power. And what is the purpose, do yeah. you think, in their minds to have this power? What do we, they, what do they want to do with all this power?
1: Well. Um, the, the the end goal is control. That's what they want. They they it, it really is control, and they will never ever relinquish that. Uh, in fact, I think um, let's see if I can find it. I think Orwell actually mm-hmm. said that nobody actually gains power uh, with the thought of relinquishing it. Um, but the here he said, "We know that no one ever seizes power with the intention of re- relinquishing it." That was all well, and it's true like uh they they don't want to especially if it's a gov- if it's a um, a so called progressive government they'll never go back to a position where they had less power no, they won't see power power is a very addictive thing, very very addictive thing, and as the saying goes, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, absolutely. and so and this is why um this is why there is so much. It also reminds me of the movie Lord of the Rings and the ring. The, what did the ring represent? Well, some believe that the ring represented money. I think it represents power. I think the, for me, the ring represents power. And everybody wants to wear the ring because if they can wear the ring, they can have absolute power. So you must understand that power is once someone tastes power they're never satisfied with that They, that they want more they want more they want more they want more and this is part of the human condition this is part of um the um the carnal nature of man i think if i put it that way the carnal nature of man seeks power outside of christ the flesh craves power it craves um, wealth as well but it predominantly craves power and so in regard to leftism, there are two classes of people who are attracted to leftism. And the first one is the predator class, the predator class. These are the predators. These are the people who prey on others in order to harvest their own power. So predators are the ones who, who are in the game because they, they, they've they tasted power and they want more of it. And they'll do everything that they can to to do that now the other class that's attractive to leftism is the victim class the victims the victims absolutely love the attention because you need to understand that the predators are more than willing to pay them the, the, the attention that they want in fact what the predators do is that they dangle a, a carrot they dangle a carrot of uh of, of privileges in front of them and um incentives incentives and privileges and so that's how they – and so the, the victim class chases after that carrot. So they keep maintaining that they're the victim, and the predator class is more than happy to empower that victimhood. And so they both work together. Now, the people who are in the middle are the middle class, and these people uh, don't care anything for, for for power, and they don't care anything for, vic- for, for, for victimhood. And so this is why these people are despised by the left. The left cannot stand the middle class. They hate the middle class. So um, that gives you a little bit of a, uh, a background information. Those two groups of people, so the, the predator class and the victim class, this is the recipe for leftism. And this is uh, why the left is thriving, because there's a huge predator class. that The political class has just grown exponentially. And of course, you've got victims. Victims are here, there, and everywhere. Victims are, uh, you know, they're inventing new victims every day. <laughs> There's victims here, victims there. Look, people, uh, victimhood is in vogue right now. And I wanna read to you a quote, actually, I think uh, Ali Stuckey said this. She said, when you elevate victimhood as virtue, you will create a culture in which people are tripping over themselves to be a oppressed. Mm. isn't that the truth?
0: Yeah it is and while you're talking what I'm, uh, what I'm seeing in my mind are all these interviews of these families in America where their children have been shot or killed and how, you, how the, the left from what you're saying uh, these, uh, these pre- this predator class they use these very huh. sincere people who are in pain over the death of their loved one but they, the, the, the predator now steps in and exploits you know, they're paying for their own agenda. They're not really just wanting compensation and to deal with a real issue. Correct. There's another issue at hand, another agenda, correct?
1: Yeah, precisely. Precisely. They they absolutely exploit it. They absolutely exploit it. Let me read to you. This is actually from a doctor. He's a, he's a psychologist and he specializes in victim, victimhood. His name is Dr. Ofer Zer. He's got a PhD. He said, the victim's stance is a powerful one the victim is always morally right, neither responsible nor accountable and forever entitled to sympathy. Wow. Wow. And Thomas Sowell says, there are a few modest talents so richly rewarded, especially in politics and the media, as the ability to portray parasites as victims and portray demands for preferential treatment as struggles for equal rights. Thomas Sowell is always astute in his understanding of the culture.
0: Wow. Okay. Interpret that. What do
1: you what are you really saying with that? What does that mean? The victimhood is essential to Marxism. So if you don't have victims, the Marxism cannot exist. Amen. You know, okay. it's like oxygen to fire. OK, uh, oxygen is, is, is victimhood. The fire is Marxism and Marxism grows the more oxygen, you know, the more uh, more oxygen it has, the more the fire grows. But the moment you get rid of victimhood, you get rid of the victims and you start empowering these people into uh, into, into self um self-independence like uh if you try to empower these people into self-responsibility I-, I was trying to say in taking responsibility for their own life and that they're no longer a victim and that they need that they are responsible for their own decisions then all of a sudden marxism can't work with that marxism can't work with that it has to have people who are aggrieved people who are who are always lo- um People who are always looking for an excuse to blame somebody else. Mm. That is the goal. So victimhood is absolutely essential to Marxism. And Marxism is one of the most destructive, one of the most evil ideologies on the face of the planet. And it's Marxism destroys everything it touches. Absolutely destroys everything it touches. Okay. Um So Let
0: me ask you a question. Uh, I want to put this into perspective, a couple of things. Uh, Number one, what comes to mind, the Hegelian dialectic, the Hegelian dialectic, and I want to use gun control as an idea, and here's victimhood, okay? So the Hegelian dialectic is we have an agenda. There's something we want to accomplish, number one. So number two is we create a crisis – to bring forth a yep. solution to accomplish our agenda, gun control. We talk about victims. People get shot. They yep. get killed. mad you know, all these uh, terrible things that happen. And so the people that l- perpetrate that, the predators – is they utilize, well, look at all these shootings. we got to take the guns away from the people. They bring in a solution. That's really going on before our very eyes, but that's a Hegelian dialectic. That's that's kind of a determined. And another thing you said about the oxygen the fire, India. Right now, the doctor's begging, crying for oxygen. Why don't they have oxygen in India?
1: Do you mean oxygen literally? Yeah, <laughs> they, the people
0: speak? can't breathe in India.
1: They're, that's they're, right. Right. So what, where's right. the oxygen? However, I however I should say that they there was a trial period in which they were using hydroxychloroquine. In fact they tr they, they used it to treat an entire slum and they avoided they avoided the this the spike in deaths. So why they're not using hydroxychloroquine in ivermectasin, I, I don't know why. But it is very, very sad to see what's actually going on in India at the moment. Um
0: Some people say it's a depopulation-controlled event. Is
1: that possible, sincerely? I don't know. I don't know. I would be speculating uh, if I were to say it was. But, look, you can't put anything past the the globalists. You know, uh, uh, do people conspire in secret with an agenda to usurp power? You would have to be naive to say that doesn't happen.
0: Sure. Jekyll Island, okay. you're it, right.
1: Yeah, it does happen. Okay, not all not all conspiracies are actual. You know, there are real conspiracies, and and, and and just you just have to pick up a history book, just to see where there were legitimate conspiracies where the conspiracy conspiracy theorists were actually right. They were actually right. So we need to be careful and we need to do our due, due diligence in, in in researching and making sure that all that it's all factual. Uh and because we can damage our credibility if we uh if we jump in and jump to assertions when it's not it's not there. But I I, I think um yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. So
0: let's go back to the Gillian dialectic. This whole idea with gun control in America—you know, we we have the plan, we create the crises, we obtain our goal. That's happening everywhere. Everybody's—that's
1: right. Everybody's talking about you know. Well, the media wants to focus on the rise of 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 mass shooters, but the, the danger is not in the rise of mass shooters. The danger is in the rise of socialism and leftism that is where the danger is it's funny everyone wants to talk about the rise of mass shooters but nobody wants to talk about the rise of marxism going on in your country marx listen more people were killed in the 20th century than all other centuries combined and i remember actually listening to uh one of my favorite inter- intellectuals is name victor davis Hanson. And he gave a lecture, actually, I think on, on World War II, and he says, well, what, is it, what was it about World War II that made it so significant? What was it about the 20th century? Why, why was more people killed in the 20th century in times of peace than any other time in history? And he answered it with one word. He said, ideology. Ideology. That is the reason why. So, so what is ideology? Ideology is the opposite of self-evident truth. Self-evident truth, self-evident truth. Something is true, such as a man being male and a woman being a woman, that is self-evident truth, right? But what happens is, is that the opposite of self-evident truth, when you twist the biological truth or the laws of nature or moral laws, if you twist it, and try to reinterpret it as something else, that's when it becomes ideology. That's when it comes ideology. And I thought it was very interesting that Victor Davis Hansen said in one word, the reason why more people were killed in the 20th century than all other centuries combined is because of ideology, mm-hmm. because of the suppression of truth, or because of the twisting of truth, and because you are um, redefining words, you are revising history, and, uh, and as a consequence of that, uh, people believed a big, big, big lie, and they were able to carry out the most atrocious things because they were blinded by, by that lie.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting. You know, I, I think a lot of people are looking in this conversation that's been going on for a long time. Um, you start to getting these ideas that, you know, someone once called this a prison planet, and it's kind of like the planet of the apes, where you're a human being and all of a sudden you're under the control of a bunch of apes. And, you yeah. know, how, how are we going to live in a world where it's controlled by homosexuals and lesbians and transvestites and uh, people that um, hate God and people that, um, you know, abuse their power? And I want to go back to power for just a moment because we have been yeah. given power of the Holy Spirit, but power is to be used by a yeah. servant – mentality i mean the idea of possessing power is for the good of people but not our yeah. ideological view of what is good but from a biblical view of what is righteous and good to elevate others but this power that is being utilized right now is not to the well-being and the elevation of humanity this power is mm-hmm. a suppression upon humanity correct yeah it is
1: it is um you know Milton Friedman once said that concentrated power is not rendered harmless by the good intentions of those who created it. I thought, boy, that is just so true. Um, and, uh, and again, Milton Friedman says, nothing is so permanent as a temporary government program. I think Ronald Reagan also said something similar. He said, nothing lasts longer than a temporary government program. In other words, once they taste power, they're not going to relinquish it. They'll all find ways in which they can continue on with that power. And uh, and that's why what you're watching, watching watching now with the lockdowns is that they're finding excuses to continue on with these lockdowns. In fact, this is why, listen, the, the pandemic was such a success for the left. Look what the pandemic did for the Democrats. It got Trump out of office, didn't it? Yep. right so you had all the the mail in ballots and the drop boxes and all those things because it Brilliant. was because, yep absolutely because it was under the guise of the pandemic if it wasn't for the pandemic you wouldn't have ever had that you would have gone back to having a single election day instead of having an election week right so you had your election was drawn out over two or three days OK, normally, normally in years past, it's, it's just an election night. You just have an election day and that's it. But because of the pandemic, it, it, it opened up um, wonderful opportunities for the left to have excuses in which they could actually pervert the system. So, um, listen, they're not going to give up that power. They are not going to give up that power. In fact, they are going to use the pandemic in which to uh, carry on into the midterms next Yeah. And then, of course, in the presidential election in 2024, you can take it to the bank. They will be using the coronavirus as another excuse in which they can carry out with their ballot harvesting. They'll do it for sure.
0: So I want to go back to the planet of the apes with that thought. Um, Here you had a bunch of apes running the country and their IQ isn't that strong. They have the IQ of an ape. And so anybody that wasn't one of them, anybody that wasn't an ape was their slave and somebody to be abused. And it really does feel this ape mentality that's operating in people that hate God. Because if you hate God, you don't have any Mm -hmm. genuine spiritual intelligence to help and to see things through the way that they really are. So you're operating in deception. And that's what we're seeing right now is an ape mentality that uh, it's just guerrilla warfare, if you will, taking over. And, and right now we're hearing stories in the United States, Daniel, that the Homeland yeah. Security is beginning a deep investigation into domestic extremism. Now, to the eight mentality, yeah. the domestic extremists are people that are right-wing, conservative Christians, yeah. maybe even white yeah. people that haven't renounced their whitehood I don't know what it's all about, but it's an it's a ape mentality of people that are possessing power and control to enslave the people of this country, and that's not make-believe. And so I wonder, well, where is the resistance? Where is the resistance? Mm. Because if you don't fight back, how could you stand against this? Yeah.
1: People are terrified of standing against it because there have been so many people that have been made an example of, mm. and they don't want to be another example you know of what happens when the left decide to ostracise you from society. So that's basically what happened. They don't want to do that. They don't want to. They don't want to sacrifice their career. They've worked all their life. They've gone to university. They've studied, and now they're they're doing their career. They don't want to be fired from their job. So they just toe the line. They just toe the line, and uh, and so. You know, there's two groups of people. There, I, I think in this, in regard to the left, there's the true believers, the ones who really believe the ideology, and they they are a true believer to the core. But there's the others who are the enablers, the enablers, the cowards, the ones that uh, they they just go along with it because they don't want to sacrifice, they don't want to lose their job, so they enable it. They say, yeah, I'm all for you guys, you know, but they're not. <laughs> You know, but in doing so, they are enabling what the left are doing. They are enabling the true believers, I should say. That's what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Well, what a what a sad day. People are just simply going, let me just eke out a nice enough living um, and just kind of see if I can yeah. squeeze through this moment of pressure that's coming and just kind of have my best life now. But, man, it can't remain yeah. this way. I mean, it can't – it's yeah. so
1: – such a back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned before um, that these people, it's almost like we're going back to abusing people. And really, think about it. Think about what Stalin said. He said you have to crack a few eggs to make an omelette. And by that, he simply means that, you know, for us to have a revolution in which we get all the power, then you're going to have to crack a few eggs. In other words, you're going to have to kill a few people, he was implying. The other thing that Stalin said, he also said that – so one death is a tragedy, but a million is just a statistic, wow. right? That's amazing. So he he was cold and and he didn't care, because there was no such thing as as objective moral values. There was no such thing as a moral universe. He didn't believe in one. So he believed that they could they were the ones who dictated morality. Okay. So yeah. So what happens when when people embrace relativism? Inevitably, they end up abusing the people. They end up abusing the people. And this is what happens in every ancient civilization is that the people who were in power ended up abusing other people. They ended up abusing power, hurting people as a result of that. Now, I want to read to you a quick quote. Actually, this is from a uh, one of my favorite historians. His name's Tom Holland. Not the Spider-Man actor, by the way. This is Tom Holland, the historian. And I want to read to you what he actually says in this excerpt. Well, this is an excerpt that's actually written about Tom Holland's book. And this is what it says. While studying the ancient world, Holland writes, he realized something. Simply, the ancients were cruel and their values utterly foreign to him. The Spartans routinely murdered imperfect children. The bodies of slaves were treated like outlets for the physical pleasure of those with power. Inventicide was common. The poor and the weak had no rights. So how did we get from there to here? It was Christianity, Holland writes. Christianity revolutionized sex and marriage, demanding that men control themselves and prohibiting all forms of rape. Christianity can confined sexuality within monogamy. It is ironic, however, Holland notes, that these are now the very standard for which Christianity is derided. Christianity elevated women. In short, Christianity utterly transformed the world, he says. In fact, Holland points out that without Christianity, the Western world would not even exist. Even the claims of the social justice warriors who despise the faith of their ancestors rest on the foundation uh, of Judeo- Judeo-Christian values. Those who make arguments based on love, tolerance, and compassion are borrowing fundamentally Christian arguments. If the West had not become Christian, Holland writes, no one would have gotten, no one would have become woke. Hmm. <laughs> you,
0: God bless you. Yeah. It's dust in the air. All right. So when you're talking, I'm hearing, and I don't know how this all connects to it, but I'm hearing that the whole idea right now going on in the atmosphere around the world is conformity. In other words, if you're one of those people that speaks up, you stand out, you, you, you act different. If you say the truth, you, you're living in a society where someone once said that the truth is quite offensive and so it's all about human conformity. And, Daniel, I'm terrified and I'm grieved in my spirit, genuinely, just as a human tiny piece of speck of dust that I am. But I'm genuinely grieved and terrified of the idea, like the invasion of the body snatchers, that everybody eventually is caught into uh, and has been snatched. And the survivors are running for their lives trying to yeah. you know, escape this brutality and even the very best of them fall into the trap. And I I don't know how people need to know how important it is to have a genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit of the living God to be able to be navigated at this time through this nation. And I remember in 2003 when God said, do not pray for this nation, rather pray for the people within this nation that they'll be able to Christians, that they'll be able to navigate through the times that are coming down the pike. And that's what this whole thing has been Mm -hmm. for 18 years is navigating to keep us in a place, and that meant for some people geographical relocations and you know shiftings yep. of our, our ideologies and our thoughts and our thinking about the things of God. We are in something, and it just seems that that snare that the Lord talked about is so close to just snapping, and he said, not an inhabitant on earth is going to escape that that hasn't come out of her, my people.
1: Yeah, that's right. Again, go back to George Orwell the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those that speak it. There it is, yeah. So, this is the trajectory that we're in on at the moment. The people are, you know, it's funny, I was talking in a, um, I was talking on an online conference a few days ago, and I was saying that the universities are the cultural formation institutions because if you wanna know what's going to happen in your society in 10 years, look what's going on in your universities, okay? Because they are the ones who are determining the culture. And of course, politics is downstream from culture. So um, so, um, the problem is, is that there is this trajectory where once upon a time, it was 10 years, you could look into the future, but it's, the, the space is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Now it's like, we're pretty much at the same stage. Like if you, want, if you look what's going on in universities, it takes less than three months to get out into the mainstream now. Like it's just crazy. Like the moment the universities go in a particular direction, it's only just a matter of time before the mainstream media start propagating it. It's scary. Well, I shouldn't say scared because I'm not scared because I know everything's in the Lord's hands. But this is this is where we're at at, at the moment. We're we're interesting. We're, we are in absolutely crazy times where our where the people are going mad. Where the people are going mad. It reminds me of the quote of St. Anthony the Great. He says, "A time is coming when men would go mad." And when they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him saying, you are mad. You are not like us. That's the truth.
0: Yes, certainly is. And doesn't Jeremiah the prophet say that they are mad upon their idols? The people are mad upon their idols?
1: Yes. Jeremiah does say that. But if you also go to Jeremiah 51, you read this very interesting comment. It says that Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hands. She made the whole earth drunk. The nations drank her wine, and therefore they have now gone mad. Yeah. yeah. They have now gone mad. Right.
0: There's an old movie. It's a mad, mad world. And it's become more mad. It's become more darkened, more sick uh, mentally than ever before. So um, my question is how do, how do people living in our generation – Uh, grow up at this time. I mean, there's got to be something that God is calling his people to. And a large majority of the church is believing, well, praise God, the rapture is almost here. Uh, These times are getting tough and we're going to be out of here. Praise the Lord. God would never subject us to this kind of a planet. But Daniel, we've all learned that that's not the reality. The escape through a preacher rapture is not the idea. But there is an escape. There is a way to go through these times and to remain faithful unto God to the very end. Uh, we need to speak into that.
1: We do. We do, and we need to speak up about it. It needs to be addressed because that world, that that understanding, that eschatological viewpoint, is entrenched in the West, in particularly America. Um, but it has gained a massive, massive, massive foothold. And it's, uh, it's, you know, listen, that the free true Russia wasn't even taught before 1833. It wasn't even taught before then. It was John Nelson Darby, who was a Plymouth Brethren, basically was the one who first conjured it up. And, uh, and in fact, he's his very own best friend. Samuel Triggler's rebuked him. In fact, even wrote a book rebuking him over it. So it's yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. We need to pray. We need to do what we can to wake these people up, because if you don't go and prepare your oil, and when I say oil, I'm speaking figuratively, then you are going to be caught empty-handed. You're going to come up short, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So the foolish virgins went to the wise virgins and said, give us some of your oil. And they said, we, no, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go back, go and get buy your own. And so they had no choice but to go in to buy their own. And you know the rest of the story. If yeah, they missed out.
0: Yeah. If we would have had this conversation 10 years ago, and we would have been talking about all these things and that they hadn't come yet. You know, we if we would have talked about 10 years ago, Uh, there's going to be a locking down of the human population. There's going to be a global control telling people when they could go and when they have to stay in their home, when they have to wear a mask, when they have to be vaccinated. Uh, It would have sounded like a sci-fi horror movie. Would it not have been? Uh, To see the the left move and its uh, socialism, its Orwellian dialectic, however you want to call it. To see our society today, 10 years ago, because it was in 2015 when they legalized homosexuality in America through the Supreme Court of the United States. They said, this is okay for men to marry men. Again, the human psyche has been so obliterated by the decisions of people at the very top. And so if you would have said it 10 years ago, 25 years ago, society will look this way one day, people would have said, oh, come on. And where we're at right now is only a preview to what it's going to look like maybe in a year, Daniel, because of the acceleration of the birth pangs. And to me, you know, I'm not going to deny it. I don't care what anybody says. The biblical reality of what's coming on this earth is that there's a multitude of so-called believers that are about to fall away. Their love is going to wax cold. They're going to get offended. They're going to betray one another, hate one another. The Antichrist is coming to this earth, and when he makes landfall, he comes with fury And you can't tell me that that's 100 years from now. I mean, we are living at the time. This is all around us right now. Let's speak into that just a little bit because, you know, I don't think you or I or the people listening to this broadcast desire anybody to fall away into eternal damnation, to hate God, to come under a spell and all that crazy stuff. But that's exactly what's going to happen, the blinding of the minds of the masses,
1: you're absolutely right, and uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter two also talks about the great delusion that will come because they did not love the truth. There it is. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, we're going to see more and more of that. I think the the blindness is only going to increase. I think people are going to be doubled down in their in their blindness. So I think that we're going to see more madness. And by the way, all this is going to culminate. All this is going to culminate together. But um, yeah, you're right. What do you mean by that? Um, what do you
0: mean it's going to culminate?
1: <clears throat> well, it's just going to build up. It's all, it's all going to build up and, and and build up. I think the when you look at the trajectory where everything is heading, it's just going to get more and more intensified, more and more intensified. There are lots of different trajectories that you need to watch. One of the trajectories is the. Um, for example look at the whole euthanasia movement okay so this is a, this is a slippery slope so they, they are looking now that they've legalized euthanasia in some countries what they're now trying to do is that they're trying to get people to be able to euthanize themselves on more and more frivolous grounds more and more frivolous grounds uh, the same as, as abortion the whole abortion debate Again, you know, they they, they they are trying to push for laws in which mothers can abort their children up to birth, up to birth, birth. You know, I, I remember a very sobering quote um, from Wesley Smith. He says, once society accepts the noxious notion that killing is an acceptable answer to human sacrifice, the definition of suffering never stops expanding.
0: Hmm. Hmm, That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, All right. So it's only bad if you resist it. If you want to live a normal life and you want to be happy, all you need to do is cooperate. Why are you Christian people complaining about everything? Why don't you just leave it alone participate go about your life keep your job go with the flow do what they yeah. tell you to do and why resist it because if you resist it you're putting yourself in harm's way has yeah. god ever told his people to capitulate to evil i mean i know he did say to the uh, to the israelis you're going to have to go down to babylon you're going into captivity don't resist yes. it but it, did god ever say to become like them to learn their ways yeah, right. and what is that all about
1: I don't think the problem is in the vaccine itself. I think it's in the system in which it's actually going to, um, like the passport system. I think that's where the issue is. I think that's where the most egregious abuse of uh, privacy and um, individual liberty comes into it. Um, Listen, there are many faults with the vaccine. We know about the faults with the AstraZeneca vaccine, with the blood clots that that was causing. And now new research has come out and said that the Pfizer uh, vaccine is causing neuro problems with the brain. Wow. Mm. Um, and Moderna is having its own issues. Johnson & Johnson is having issues. Like I said, we already have a cure. We already have treatment for that. And that's hydroxychloroquine with zinc and an, and an antibiotic. And so I, listen, but all this is for control. It's for control. They want to control the people. And that is absolutely true, absolutely true. And yet um, they keep pushing it. They're going to keep pushing it so they can get away with it. So
0: the, the uh, admonition to all believers everywhere is to be salt and light. And as you have said, salt aptly, you know, several times that salt is not just to make flavorful things, but it's to preserve. And what is the Christian to preserve? The values of the kingdom of heaven, the values of the word of God. We are preserving not a uh, an apostate society. We are preserving the values of God's word. And the moment we capitulate yeah. and stop promoting God's word, then all of a sudden, We become useless. We're no longer valuable. So this idea of capitulation, conformity, be quiet, be still, because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my life, that is a bunch
1: of bunk, isn't it, for a Christian? Yeah, yeah. Listen, there is an epidemic of apathy and cowardice, of apathy and cowardice going on. Called wisdom. uh, They call that wisdom, by the way. Our cowardice is wisdom. Yeah, and again, we're talking about the uh the true believers and the enablers. So the the vast majority of people are enablers. They don't want to speak out. They just want to hold their tongue because they don't want confrontation. You you will be surprised, Vincent, when you realize that the people the the ones who are really cause, calling the shots, they are a tiny, tiny minority. And the rest of the majority is doing everything that they say at their beck and call. All right? Now, listen, it only takes one or two sheepdogs to control a, a herd of over a 1,000 sh- sheep, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. One or two sheepdogs. Mm-hmm. And these left-wing activists are basically barking out their orders. They don't care. They don't care. It's uh, it's uh, it's really quite sobering, very sobering.
0: Every time we see Joe Biden, he's in a scripted form with a mask on and he says things reading off the teleprompter and nobody sees him. Kamala Harris sits in the background. Joe, uh, what's his name? Barack Obama is in the other room. They they still have National Guard around Washington, D.C., Um, That's ridiculous. I know it is. And it's like we're in some sci-fi movie, and none of this is real. It's all scripted. You know that he's just a puppet that's puppeting out somebody else's agenda. He is so used. And, again, I personally don't believe Joe Biden lives beyond August. Well, time will tell. We'll see. That's not a thus saith the Lord. It's a prediction in my heart Uh, because I don't believe he's going to be useful to them anymore. could be actually dangerous because of where he's at mentally. but. It's just so bizarre. It, it's so weird. It's like sitting down in George Orwell's 1984 and hearing this message into your brain. Hello, hello, you must conform to this. You must be this. You must say this. You must do this. You should be afraid of this. And it's this constant conditioning. And if there's no resistance, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. And when Christians are not resisting this thing, and how do we resist it? We should be speaking, Daniel, from the rooftops right now, the narrative of the kingdom of heaven, and allow people to hear another narrative other than the one that they're being force-fed every day.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So where's the church?
0: And where is the church? They're in these big concert halls singing hallelujah. I mean, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong to see thousands of Christians singing to the Lord, Mm. worshiping. But if they're not out there, And they're not bringing the glory of God in a narrative and speaking Well we do this. Come on, talk to me. I don't don't get it. It's a bit...
1: Well, Well, look what happened when the churches closed down last year. It was only a few months later and you had the most biggest outbreak of lawlessness with the George Floyd riots. The George Floyd riots was the direct result of the church being neutered the church became neutered and didn't stand up the church didn't stand up you know there's the saying that the more um the world sorry the world the more the church loses her voice the more the world will lose her conscience the more the church loses her voice the more the world will lose her her conscience and that's so true absolutely true so we need to we need to be vigilant absolutely vigilant. We need to be watching. We need to be prying. We need to be doing all those things. So,
0: yeah. But we're not. And, you uh, know, I, I mean, there's some great, great ministries in the earth. There's no doubt about it. You know, one day, L.A., uh, there are people that are really doing some incredible stuff. But there's got to be a balance to our Christian worship and praise and gathering together and loving the Lord. Um, you know, eventually, w- w- if we just keep it in, 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 in behind closed doors, are we really standing up in our generation, and are we really saying, wait a second, homosexuality is an abomination to God. It is immoral, and you may live that lifestyle, and we love you as a person, but you cannot yeah. – Believe that just because the government sanctions your sin, that you're going to be okay eternally. You are going to die an eternal death. And if we don't say those things, then
1: who will, Daniel? No one. No one will say those things. And then what's happened is, is that because the church, because the the church, because part of the church is now condoning that, because part of the church is now saying, well, that's okay, we'll bless it, right? Us faithful believers who are standing up and saying that homosexuality is wrong, right? What does the world say about us? Well, they say, well, we're not going to go to you kooky Christians. We're going to go to the real Christians who tell us it's okay. Wow.
0: What a twist.
1: It's a twist, twist. isn't it?
0: My God. So in Isaiah, he was commissioned to be a prophet when God said, who will go? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I. I will go. And he said then you go and you do this so where are the people in the body of christ that will go and that will speak a non-conformative word to the world a word that will be sanctioned by god with anointing that will not return void to win the souls of men to awaken their darkened minds and to prevail over the powers of darkness that are working behind the scenes. We serve a risen Lord who's already defeated the powers of darkness. So why would be we capitulated to a defeated narrative when we have the narrative of life? That's what I don't understand. And mm. I'm trying to grapple with in my soul how people, you know, it's becoming, it's becoming a non-event. It's almost like we don't want to hear the truth anymore. We don't want to hear and that's why there's so few people that are engaging and even interested anymore in getting into deep biblical reality because it's called, the, the left calls it hate.
1: The word of God yeah, they that, call hate. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, I want to I see if I can read to you something, Vincent, which I think you will find, uh, well, I guess, I guess you could say disturbing. But um, I think it's something that needs to be said. Um, Listen to this. This is actually from a German Christian's eyewitness account. Now, this was actually a German, a Christian who was living in Nazi Germany. Just listen to this. This person says, I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it because anyone do to stop it. A railroad track ran behind our small church and each Sunday morning we could hear the whistle in the distance and then the wheels coming over the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew that we could hear the cries of the Jews en route to a death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming. And when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, We were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly, and soon we heard them no more. Years have passed and no one talks about it anymore, but I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. Forgive me. Forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians yet did nothing to intervene.
0: That's it. That's it. Yeah. And that's all of our Christian programs. That's our mega churches. Mm-hmm. That's the sound of, you know, all the, the orchestra. And the, it, it, that's what it all is. But the only sound that we should be making is a sound that will vibrate in this world to warn the wicked yeah. of the day of judgment. And we're just not doing it. We're all kind of uh, petting ourselves in our comfort zones of feeling good. And yet we're not breaking out into the discomfortable reality of a world that's perishing by the principalities and powers of darkness. And what a heartbreaking story that the Christians just sang louder because they didn't want to hear what was really happening in the world. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. So what's yeah. the plan, Daniel? What is the plan then? What should the Christian church do right now in this uh, tepid society that we're in?
1: I think we all need to be Dietrich Bonhoeffers. We all need to be Bonhoeffers. And uh, and, and what I mean by that, listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. What an incredible statement made by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But more than that, I want to read to you a scenario, and this is actually taken from a book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer that was actually written by Eric Metaxas. Mm. Um, Great guy. In fact, here's, here's an excerpt. It says, while Bonhoeffer was trying to wake up the German church to stand boldly and decisively against the Nazis, another Christian was taking a different tack. Frank Buchmann was a prominent American evangelical who headed up something called the Oxford Movement. He hoped to to convert Hitler and the other top Nazis to the Christian faith, believing that this would solve everything. Bonhoeffer knew that Buchmann's goal was laudable in principle, but in reality, it was a fool's errand. Buchmann failed to discern the times in which he was living. While he was trying to arrange lunches to talk with Himmler about Jesus, the very liberties that made it possible to preach the gospel in Germany were brutally being kicked down the stairs and out the door. But Buchmann's idea is alive and well in America today. One often hears Christians say that they don't want to get involved in political or cultural battles. They just want to simply preach the gospel. They think that by avoiding political and cultural battles that they will retain the credibility necessary to be effective in preaching the gospel. But according to Bonhoeffer, this is tragically mistaken. If your ability to speak the truth is itself under attack... If you cannot say that certain sexual behavior is wrong or that taking unborn life is wrong, your ability to be a Christian itself is under attack. The gospel you will be preaching has been fatally compromised. Wow, what a great excerpt. Huge,
0: huge. And what a conviction.
1: Yeah. What a
0: conviction yeah. upon this thing called the ecclesia of a church.
1: Yeah. Listen, we the church is in a very per- precarious position because because of what happened a generation ago in World War Two, we have no excuse. We have no excuse. You know, the Jews as they were being rounded up and sent off to the concentration camps, they walked past church after church after church on every street corner. Right. Right. Can you imagine what they were thinking? Where are the Christians? Yeah. Why aren't they stopping this? Yeah.
0: Who's helping? You know, Daniel. Who's I'll, helping? Yeah, that's an incredible, incredible point you're making. And while you were talking, I was thinking when Donald J. Trump was the president of the United States of America, he spoke with moxie. I mean, people didn't like him. He was a New York guy. But man, did he speak what was in his mind and what was yeah, on his he heart without fearing what other people were going to say about him some people liked that some people didn't i personally loved it you know i i I never thought the man was a born again spirit-filled pastoral christian he was like this guy that took the highest position of power in the world and there were christians around him rather than muslims or leftists and so the christians were teaching him along the way kind of thing but he was still himself he kept it real he said what he said whether he was you know Nobody knows the mysteries, but we loved it. There was leadership. He said it, and we cheered him on. Yay! Speak it like it is. Now he's gone, and it's like, oh, no, our leader is gone, and we have to be quiet. And it's like the disciples, when Jesus was arrested, they're hiding out in
1: rooms. What's going on? Yeah, look, there needs to be a balance. The, the, The thing is, is that some people were looking to Trump as a, I guess you could almost say as a bit of an idol. I guess you could say that. Some sure. were. They put him uh, on a Because some completely lost the sense that being a Christian and being salt and light is what makes the difference, not supporting someone like Donald Trump. Even though, listen, I think he was a brilliant president. In fact, I think he's one of the greatest US presidents in living memory. When I look at his record right mm-hmm. of course he's got character flaws okay he's not perfect but look at his record look at what he's done whatever president has received five nominations for the nobel priest prize right look at his track record i mean how many he got the he up to 4.3 percent hey let me do okay? something real so, quick
0: Forgive me. Pardon my interruption. We're going to keep going on Facebook and YouTube. We're going to be saying goodbye to those on Blog Talk Radio right now, and I'm pretty sure you'll remain with us. But I needed to say to everybody listening, it is our dear sister Miriam's birthday today, and I wanted to say happy happy birthday birthday, to Miriam, and may the Lord bless your day richly with joy unspeakable and full of glory and all kinds of balloons and streamers and dancings and hallelujahs. Everybody wish Miriam a very, very happy birthday. We're certainly going to see her tonight with bells on. I just wanted to say that, Miriam, God bless you on this, your day to be celebrated. We love you, appreciate you with all of our hearts, and we thank God for you and your wonderful husband. We'll see you this evening. Daniel, back to what you were saying, and I know you know Miriam and Phil, and you gave them a great salute.
1: I do. All right. They're beautiful. Amen. Absolutely beautiful. Amen. So yes. go back, yes, sir. So, so what? what was uh, yeah, what,
0: we were talking about Donald's uh, <laughs> achievements and yeah. how he was great. Yeah. Yes, I'd rather celebrate the birthday yes. too. What do you think? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Look, um, Trump as a president, be very careful because the media is extremely hostile towards him. I mean, ninety-four percent. This was a a poll that was taken. Well, there are, there's been a number of different polls, but one of them in 2017 came out and said that 94% of the media coverage of Donald Trump was negative. Mm. And that didn't even it's include crazy. neutral, right? Yeah. They have a vendetta. They have they are out to totally destroy him. And it was a relentless media campaign for the past four years in making out to be the biggest Incompetent loser, uh, um, you name it. Uh, you know, and most people who have a, a bit of a undiscerning trust of the media went along with it. That's why they went along with it. cuz oh, Trump is a meanie, he's bad, but of course the media never talked talked about his accomplishments. Never, never, yeah. never, never talk about his accomplishments, and yet he's accomplished more from America in such a short period of time, I think, than any other U.S. president that I can think of in living memory, okay. right? He almost put America to the point where America was energy in, uh, in independent, self-sufficient, energy self-sufficient. And the Keystone Pipeline would have assured that. But when Biden got in, one of the first things he did was completely cancel the Keystone Pipeline, and America has gone back to dependence on the Middle East for, for oil so utterly um anyway yeah but the point is is that we must understand remember what jesus said in the last days he said watch out that no one deceives you watch out that no one deceives you that's so important in regard to the days that we're living in because it's not just having biblical discernment in regard to doctrine no it's it's discernment in what's in, in understanding truth from error in the world in particularly the media Right? We need discernment in regard to the media, what's true and what's not true, because the media have an agenda. And since the since they were so brazen in their bias against Trump, they're not going to let go of that bias. Now that they've, they've sh- shown their cards, they're going to double down. They're going to double down and they're going to continue on in their bias. And this is why we're now seeing the media openly smearing the Republicans. You know the Republican Party. The media is now smearing the police department, right, and saying that the police need to be defunded. The the media is smearing all these different people. Listen, you need to be extra diligent when it comes to the media. Be very very careful who you're listening to.
0: Well, amen to that. And Daniel, let's put that in perspective with a balance, uh, another perspective. We're on the we're in day number 31 of the counting of the Omer or the Omir. Uh, which is begin the count from the second day of Passover up to the 49th day, and then on the 50th day is Shavuot. It was on the 50th day, we know it as Pentecost, that God poured yep. out his spirit in some people in an upper room. Today's environment yep. is exactly like this. We have disciples all over the world that are hiding in their little houses afraid that the bad guys are going to come and get them. When Where is Jesus? But I believe that the strategy of heaven, Is for God to gather his people together in one place in one accord all over the world, and that there's going to be an open door opportunity, a golden door of opportunity, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And what happened when they got filled with the Holy Spirit? They came out of hiding right out into the temple, and they began to speak the wonderful words of God, a true narrative of the Father's heart. And I believe that if there's a plan for God's people in this hour, to do something more amazing than has ever been seen in the history of the world, it's right now as God's people are getting cleaned up. We're in the 31st day. Mm -hmm. We've got about 19 days, 18 days, whatever it is, until Shavuot. And I'm believing that God has a plan, that there is a fresh baptism to energize, refine, and refresh God's people in the hour we live for one purpose— not to build another church on a corner but for the church, the Ecclesia, to step outside into this atmosphere called this world and to bring forth a sound from heaven a sound from heaven a voice that will shake the earth like never before I can't imagine another strategy for this hour
1: Yeah, look, I think it's preparing hearts and minds for what's coming, for sure um People are, look, I would say a large proportion of the body of Christ is going to be completely caught off guard. Um, part of it is to do, I mean, remember how Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and he says, you know, when you look at the sky and the sky is red, you know that it's not going to, you know, it's going to be a sunny day tomorrow. I, I can't remember the exact words. But I'm paraphrasing. But he said something like, you know, you know how to discern the weather, no, but you don't know how to understand discern the signs of the times right so they knew how to look at the sky and they knew how the weather was going to be for the next day but they couldn't interpret when jesus was going to arrive in regard to his first coming in regard to his first advent okay so most of the church is just like that they have no they cannot discern the signs of the times They have no discernment ability to understand where the world is in regard to God's time clock. So that's extremely dangerous. What a dangerous place to be in, you know, and yet there's people who are completely blindsided and they're going to be completely caught off guard. And then there's others who think, well, they're not even going to be here when the trouble comes. Right? So they're going to be up there partying with Jesus and partying with the angels at the wedding supper of the Lamb, which I think is ridiculous because they, they believe that there's going to be a harvest on the earth, right? In fact, I was hurting Chuck Missler today, actually. Chuck Missler was saying he believes that there's going to be a great harvest of souls on the earth during the Great Tribulation. Of course, while everybody else is up in heaven. So listen, let me ask this. What's going on in heaven? Hmm. Well, the the pre-tribbers believe that they're going to be celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, wait a minute. Don't they also believe there's going to be a great harvest on the earth? So what they're essentially saying is, is that there's going to be thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people who are going to get saved and they're going to completely miss out on the marriage supper of the Lamb.
0: Kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're the late guests. Mm. Yep. Amazing.
1: Yeah. It's, look,
0: Absolutely amazing. That
1: teaching was not taught before 1833. It is a foreign teaching. Yeah. In it And listen, if you read Matthew 16 in regard to the parable of the weeds, you will discover that at the end of the age, the righteous and the wicked are harvested at the same time. That's right. You got it. You're right. Yep. The righteous and the wicked are harvested at the same
0: time. And you know what Darby did? You know, those guys took Margaret MacDonald's vision, and they cut portions of that vision out to make it fit into their paradigm. But when you get the unadulterated vision of Margaret MacDonald, she says the church is going to face the Antichrist, and they actually cut that out of there. I mean the deception is gross. Um, You were talking about, uh, just a moment ago, the, uh, what were you talking about a moment ago? You were talking about something very important. (laughs) I I was talking about unicorns
1: galloping on rainbows.
0: (laughs) Okay. Interpreting the signs of the times. That's what it was. All right. So not only are we witnessing all these events around the world, but the interpretation Mm -hmm. we're getting from some people is absurd. I mean, you talk about people saying Jesus is on the cross. Oh, he said something. What did he say? I think he said something about uh, Elijah's coming or, you know, everybody's trying to interpret what's going on. Listen, the signs are everywhere. The interpretation is clear. The end is come. Time no longer. Wake up. Deception is running rampant all over the world. Come
1: on. Yeah, look, I think we need to draw a leaf leaf from from Daniel, the book of Daniel. And listen to this. It says, he replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. Mm-hmm. None of the wicked will understand. Wow. But those who are wise, and by the way, in the Septuagint, the Greek word there for wise is masculine. Mm-hmm. Those who are of the masculine will understand. Those of the wise will understand. And what does it say about the wise? It says that those who are wise, I'm reading from verse 3, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. Those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Amen. And again, we boil down to interpretation and we take little things. There's some people that would hear what you just said. Oh, it's the people of the masculine. Well, there's a little drug called mescaline. And people are going, oh, the people on the mescaline took, you know, they're the sons. That's not right. It's the masculine. And what does that masculine actually mean?
1: It means what? That's right. It means wisdom. It means the wise. Listen, these nutty interpretations are only going to become more and more nuttier. Prevalent. Prevalent. Yeah. yeah. They're going to become more and more common. Uh, the devil is all about trying to put out as much confusion as he possibly can. Ob- obfuscation. Oh, I can't pronounce that. You pronounce it for me. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. But um, lots of ob- obfuscation. <laughs> I should never try to pronounce words like that at 10 past 1 in the morning. Is it- anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's- it's, they're going to try and bring a lot of disruption and confusion and they want to uh get as as many people as they can off track and you know the the conspiracy theories are going to be even more wacky even more wacky even more tinfoil hat craziness is going to go on and and more and more people are going to be deceived and and and, you know taken off the track with their eyes taken off the lord even i would say but listen we need to be we need to mm. stay focused. we must keep our eyes on Jesus. There's three things essentially we should be doing. We need to watch, we need to pray, and we need to work. We need to watch, we need to pray, and we need to work. We need to first of all, we need to to watch. We have to keep continually keep watching what's going on. Don't disconnect yourself.
0: Amen. don't be
1: aloof. Mm-hmm. Don't be aloof. watch read. Uh, Be very discerning in regard to the media, okay? So we're coming back to the media again. Be very discerning in regard to the media. Personally, I really uh, get a lot out of the Epoch Times. You know, listen, China hates them. China has actually persecuted them. China even broke into one of their their printing presses in Hong Kong and and vandalized it. That's how much of a threat they are to China. Mm. So... um, that's a good incentive for you to, to uh, go to their website. So go to the Epoch Times and learn what's going on in the world. Uh, un, unbiased news, excellent journalism. So we need to be watching. The second thing is we need to be praying. We need to be praying. We cannot. And by the way, I would, I would like to add to that, fasting. Fasting is probably one of the great, underrated things that the body of Christ needs is, is doing. People need to fast and pray in regard to the days that we're living in, in regard to we need to be hearing what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's it's absolutely crucial. And thirdly, we need to be working. We need to be productive. You know, we need to be focused and doing exactly what the Lord is asking us to do. You know, uh, remember what Jesus said, work while you have daylight. Work while you have daylight. That's it. Because night is coming when no man can work. We need to do everything that we possibly can for Jesus right now, right now. And we need to exert every inch of strength that we ha- have in in our productiveness for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God. And I, I just want to read to you a quote from Linda Ravenhill because I need to bow out because I'm not going to last i'm fading quickly (laughs) but but the tiredness is getting is getting a hold of me but i want to read this quote which i think is an absolute cracker it's just a dream absolute great. yeah Yeah. yes it says here paul never glamorized the gospel leonard ravenhill said he says it's not success but sacrifice he says it's not a glamorous gospel, but a bloody gospel, right? He doesn't mean that in a swear, but it is sure, literally. Sure. But a bloody gospel, a gory gospel, and a sacrificial gospel, he says. Five minutes inside eternity, and we will wish that we had sacrificed more, wept more, bled more, grieved more, loved more, prayed more, and given more.
0: Wow. Yeah. That always amazes me. Every time you share that, uh, from Leonard Ravenhill, that is absolutely amazing. We could do more. And I think each one of us has to ask the question, could we be doing more to yeah. be a part of what God is doing in the earth today? My hope, Daniel, honest to God, and I would hope that everybody listening right now to this broadcast wherever you're listening or whenever you're listening in the days we're in, the 31st day of the counting of the Omer, I would ask that you would come yeah. into agreement with what God's word says, because he has monuments. Uh, when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, they were to take 12 stones and build a monument so that future generations would look and say, what does this mean? And they would tell them what God did for the purpose of God could do it again. And when we look at the book of Acts, it's a monumental document for those of us in our final generation looking at that saying, well, this is what the acts of God, he could do it again. And Pentecost is coming. We need a Holy Spirit invasion into the mind and heart of God's children that will cause us to do things we would never do. Our timidity, our fear, our quiet manner. I mean a holy boldness of God that will come through the ecclesia out into the open public arena And I'm hoping to God with all of my heart for an inward baptism, a transformation, something that's going to take me to the next level in my personal walk with God, more intimacy, a deeper longing for him, but an ability for the Holy Spirit to do through me what he wants to do and not me controlling the flow of the Holy Spirit. I am praying for Holy Spirit invasion. I can't find another answer that will happen to God's kids other than that. And so that's my end thought, my comment for the day. It's after one o'clock in the morning where you're man. at in Australia, man. I appreciate you so much. And we all care about man. you and your family and love you. Final word before we go. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's my final Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, look, um, yeah, just, just, um, well, look, if I could ask for prayer too. Yeah, what do you I mean? mean? I'm, I've been feeling a bit bummed out in the sense that you know, since COVID hit, it's pretty much cut off my itinerant ministry. Um, but just pray that God will make a way. You know, that God will make a way, and that He can make it happen, which would be good. Say but, that. You know, say that one more time. There, what happened? There's there was a cut off. You- well, since COVID, when COVID hit, it it, it basically cut off international travel yeah and so um we can't here in australia international travel especially to the states isn't allowed
0: not you're allowed. not allowed to travel um, to the
1: us no that's no. amazing no so they're setting up a travel bubble in between us and new zealand but um yeah that's just a situation where it is so just pray that god will make it possible for me to come back over there and do some more ministry if if the lord is willing if the lord is willing if it's his will so yeah, that will. will be good. We certainly will yeah, be praying. But in the meantime, look, let's just draw in an intimacy to the Lord. Let's draw in intimacy to, to the Lord. Read the scriptures. Read the hard stuff. Read the hard stuff because it'll do you good. It'll do you good.
0: Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Seckham, all the way from Australia, we plead the blood of Jesus over you and your family and ask God to open doors of opportunity without the necessity of taking vaccinations and that there'll be an outcry in Australia against all this global shutdown that they will be able to make their own choices and decisions whether or not they want to get on an airplane or not in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you supply financial prosperity to Daniel and his family while his inability to communicate the gospel in other places and to be taken care of financially in Jesus' name. Lord, make a way for him where there seems to be no way. Let his voice be heard in the earth. Let what you've put in his heart to teach other people come forth. And we bind and rebuke that quenching spirit against his life and against his ministry and we thank you amen. for releasing it in the mighty name of Jesus amen and we're so thankful to have your amen. voice on uh this omega radio watchman pro- program daniel god bless you my friend
1: shalom and
0: if people want to support your ministry financially how do they do that if someone's listening going I got to send the guy something
1: I've, I've got an issue with my donate page at the moment
0: <laughs> you do okay people
1: can't donate there all right. but i'm working on it
0: all right we'll find out That's what we could fair. do and Make sure that uh, you don't have to be out there selling insurance. Okay, God bless you, my friend. (laughs) Go to sleep. Shalom. Good night. All right, that's it for us today. It's been a wonderful broadcast with Daniel Seckham. Went a little bit further down the road today. We'll see you tomorrow right here on The Watchman. Hopefully, the Spirit of the Lord has a message for the body of Christ, we're doing the best we can. If you like this broadcast, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. That's what they tell us to do. And if you would like to donate to this ministry, make sure you do that by going to our website on Omega Radio. Maybe today would be a good day to say, you know what, I just want to support that ministry. And if you do, may God bless your giving, multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. We certainly do appreciate it. And on another note, we'll see you tomorrow Right now on OmegaRadio.org, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a roundtable discussion with Patricia Joy Xavier out of her book, Deliverance The Christian Bill of Rights. It's happening right now on OmegaRadio.org. Have a super blessed day. This is Pastor Vince. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom.